You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we have been through eight games now, which means, listen to this, at halftime next week, we will be at the halfway mark of the NFL season. (laughs) <laughs> that occurred to me the other day that the halfway point is midway through a game. <laughs> yes. This is the new world we're living in now that there's a 17-game schedule. So I guess we'll talk about it now because the next time we'll talk to each other, it will be in the second half. So how right. has the first half of your season gone so far? Uh, well, um, the Chiefs are actually in better shape than I might have imagined. Um, you know, it, we always go into these seasons – thinking this is the way the schedule is that it's very difficult or it's very easy or whatever. And then the reality turns out to be something else entirely. I mean, I think everybody thought uh, the AFC West teams are all going to be challenging the the chiefs, which didn't turn out to be the case. And that's had a pretty substantial effect on how difficult the chief's schedule was. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I think, I think we should have been happy to think about, a five and two record, almost no matter who we were playing at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I, I know there's plenty of people who feel like the Chiefs should have won the Colts game, and I think that's fair. But uh, I think they're sitting in pretty good spot right now. I remember joining you on one of these emergency podcasts right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, and I believe it was about the schedule. We were reacting, mm-hmm. reacting to the schedule, and I told you, I said, and I, I was sure of this. I was like the Buffalo Bills have such an easy division that they're playing in. and the Chiefs division is so yes. hard. And they have Mac Jones and Tua and they have to play Zach Wilson and it's so easy and the Chiefs yeah. have all these quarterbacks and the AFC West stinks and the AFC East might get three of those four teams in the postseason the way mm-hmm. that it, it's standing yep. right now so as much as we try to predict this thing in March and in in April and, and May you really got to wait till till the season. So uh, don't let Steve tell you this, but why why even listen to the the off season podcast? Just <laughs> just kidding, Steve. Of course, listen to every single podcast that we do. We have a great editor show. Speaking of podcasts, we have a great editor show for you today. We're going to go through Andy Reid. He just spoke. We're recording about one thirty, so we just spoke about uh, an hour and a half ago, as he does every Monday via Zoom. We'll continue on with our world-famous marinated takeaways. That'll be in segment two, and then we'll review the news of the past week. That'll be in segment three. But as we do on every editor's show, if you leave a review, if you leave a five-star review on Apple iTunes, we will read it on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. This one is from Chief in Oregon. I, I do wonder if there's a chief in every state. I feel like this is a theme that people mm. do. So we, we've, we've had yeah. a couple chiefs in different states over the years. So we finally got a message in from chief in Oregon. By the way, if you are chief in Alaska, I'd like to hear from you. All right. <laughs> Best Chiefs podcast. As someone who grew up in Kansas City and now lives in Oregon, Arrowhead Pride has become one of my favorite avenues for feeling connected to my home. All the shows are great, but the editor's show is by far my favorite. Pete does an excellent job, and I am also proud that he is our ambassador on the SB Nation football podcast. Mm, yeah. But I think my favorite part, John, is listening to John Dixon's takes on our team, as it reminds me of listening to some of my older relatives who have been around for much more of the Chiefs history. Both guys are awesome, and I am super appreciative of all the awesome work y'all do. Keep it up and go Chiefs. P.S. I think another great name for the Brits Chiefs show would be the Redcoats Chiefs show. But I love the name as well. Thanks again. Well, you know what? 
that that's an interesting suggestion. We'll throw it in the old suggestion box. Um, you know, I don't know. Whenever I hear Redcoats, I just think of how much fun the Boston Tea Party was for us. And I, hopefully that Tom and Brad don't don't hear this. I mean, the World Cup is coming up, so I feel like the trash talk is going to begin soon here. I don't even know why they're doing the World Cup in the fall. But alas, I know they're very excited about it. Tom roots against my favorite Premier League team, which is a whole other conversation. All right, let's get into the, the Chief stuff here. And as I said, we're going to start with head coach Andy Reid. If you want to hear Andy Reid in full, you can always do that right here on the AP Podcast Network by going and listening to From the Podium. But we had another amazing performance by Patrick Mahomes last night, a different kind of performance. I think typically when we talk about Mahomes' performances, it's for 60 minutes, and it's just a dominating fashion. Mm-hmm. And not to say that it, it wasn't a master class in the sense of passing, because we, we did, I believe, have over 440 yards. But I, I think the part of this game on Sunday night that we're zoning in on is just him saying, we're going to lose this game unless I do something here, and really dominated that final seven minutes with his legs, even even despite all, all the passing yards. And Andy Reid was asked this morning, about how that stacks up in his mind of Patrick Mahomes' moments. Here's Andy Reid. I thought we had like 90 plays. At the end of the 90 plays, he's running around like it was play three. You know what I mean? And and still being able to throw the football and control the huddle and do all the things you're supposed to do. Um, and, and then he's not known. He didn't come out. Uh, being known as a running quarterback that was that's fast and all that, but he's fast enough, and he just knows he kind of knows when to do it. So, um, it, it was I, I saw all the coaches go up to him afterwards. You talk about that, Adam. I, I saw all the coaches go up to him after the long run and and um, and that whole that series there with the two point play and all, and, and congratulate him and, and say, man, that was an unbelievable. Uh, display right there and so I, I think that's uh, yes I, I that was one of those moments he's an amazing guy that way I'm not recalling which coach it was John but there was a coach I think it might have been Kyle Shanahan maybe leading up to the Super Bowl where they were saying well Patrick just kind of does that old man jog and then all of a sudden he Starts and, and dashes and jukes his way to you know where are first downs and, and touchdowns, and I think even despite the the touchdown that we're talking about and even despite the the two point conversion that we're talking about, one of the bigger plays was that third and seventeen in the mm-hmm. middle of the fourth quarter yeah. to keep it going. And I compared it, and I, I thought this was perfect. And that's my comparison, so of course I'm going to think it's perfect. But I, I compared it to when you watch an NBA game. That's one of these star NBA players. I know you're not the biggest basketball fan, but like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan that says we are not going to lose this game to this mm-hmm. team. And I think yeah. that's what we saw on Sunday. A jet wasp caterpillar, as mm-hmm. it were, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a running play that has the same effect as jet chip wasp had in uh, Super Bowl 54. You know, you're third and 17. It's a big play. You got to make it. And uh, he just figures out a way to do it, just as he did in that circumstance. It was just a running play instead of a passing play. Although, I, you know, obviously a passing play was called. It was a scramble. Right. Uh, but, uh, yes, he definitely put the team on his shoulders in that drive, and it made all the difference. Patrick Mahomes was able to will the Chiefs to victory. I do want to read the stats before I move on to the next part of this Andy Reid press conference. He was... 43 of 68 for 446 yards, a touchdown and an interception, only a passer rating of 80.9. That's the most passes he's had in the regular season in his career. He also had the six rushes for 63 yards. That's the most rushing yards that he's had in his career. So a really weird night, one of those weird record Mm -hmm. nights where you're like, how can he have the most pass attempts and rushing yards in the same night? Well, welcome to the NFL and the, weird games of the Chiefs play week in and week out. All right, let's continue on with Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. This was also Kadarius Tony's debut in which he played nine snaps. Here was what Andy Reid thought of those nine snaps upon review. So oh, I liked, I liked uh, the option route that he ran. Um, gave you a little taste of his quickness and ability to get open. I, I liked some of his blocks, Herbie, were unbelievable. I mean, that's not what we, 
what we uh, brought him here for, but it's uh, he, he's a tough, tough kid. So, and he did it against defensive ends, and that's uh, you know good defensive ends. So, uh, but he'll keep working in. He he just hadn't played much, and so Herbie, we, we had him on a kind of a number count, snap count. Only had a few things in for him. You know, we'll we'll keep working him in. I thought last week getting those practices in. Uh, where he had to practice the full practice and practice fast and get to know Pat and, and what we do there, get to know terminology. I thought it was important for him. Then you can start building on some things, you know. So th- this information came through from Establish the Runs, Adam Leviton. The snaps included four in which he was lined up in the slot, three out wide and two in line on the line. He ran six routes and blocked on three of the snaps, also catching the two passes for 12 yards and the second of which went for a first down. I just feel like, and and I know that we only saw Tony for, for nine snaps. I know it's very, very small, the, the sample size, and I know mm-hmm. these guys are very different ages, but this already feels like it's going to be a better experiment and a more successful experiment than Josh Gordon. I understand the comparisons because these are guys that are with other teams. It was only with the Giants for the, the one year, but... It just seems like this is a young enough player where they're going to be able to mold him where it just never could work with Josh Gordon. And I'm I'm excited for the weeks to come because this guy was a first rounder last year. And if it simply didn't work in New York because of off the field and and philosophical stuff and maybe some injury stuff and the Chiefs really got a first rounder for, you know, what equates to a fourth and a seventh in, in a way when with all the comp picks, this could prove to be a steal. And so, look, I'm not trying to you know, count my count my chickens or, or whatever you want to say, but I, I just think as as good of a start as you could possibly have considering he got here a week ago. Yeah, well, I always like to point out that so much depends on where a player lands in the NFL. It's not just a question of how much talent they have. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we mention that Patrick Mahomes might not be the quarterback he is today if he landed on some other team besides uh, with the Chiefs and Andy Reid. And I think that might be what's going on here. Uh, One of the things I found interesting about this whole situation was when we learned that the Chiefs were actually trying to trade for him back in the spring, Yeah, you know, before the season even began. And they couldn't come up with a deal that worked for everybody at that time. You know, who knows what the what the problem was. But it's clear that the Chiefs personnel department liked this guy when he was coming out of the draft or they wouldn't have been talking to the Giants uh, about a trade. Um, you know, going into this season. So uh, this is a player the Chiefs really wanted for whatever reason. And at least in the first game, admittedly a small sample size, it looks like maybe they had the right idea. I, I would say that it's already an improvement over the Josh Gordon experiment myself. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen a lot enough here that we could be encouraged about it. I and mean, we never really saw that with Josh Gordon. So we talked about Tony. Let's continue talking about the Chiefs' seven-man wide receiver room that they now have and discuss Juju <laughs> Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he's had a, a decent year altogether, but he's really started to click starting with the Buffalo game mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago where he was able to get five catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Continued in San Fran, seven catches for 124 yards and a touchdown uh, against Tennessee. Ten catches for 88 yards. Didn't Didn't score... Uh, against Tennessee, but from the targets that you're seeing now, Travis Kelsey's on this team. I understand Patrick Mahomes threw, threw the ball 68 times, but 12 targets for another player that is not Travis Kelsey and not Tyree Kill mm-hmm. is something I think worth talking about. So right. that, this was my question to Andy Reid today. What, why do you think that Juju Smith-Schuster has suddenly come into his own? I think the guy opposite Kels is an important part of this offense. So when, when Sammy was here, that was important. You saw Pringle kind of work into that. It's hard to explain exactly why without giving all the things away, but they just having that balance there is important. And, and Juju fits into that well. He's got a great feel for space, you know, fast enough where he can still do your down the field stuff. His change of direction is good. All those things, you know, so you get a similar element uh, opposite Kels. And again, that balance is, is important for us. I think that's key. And I'll tell you why I go back to Juju's best year of his career. And it was in 2018 when he had 1400 yards for the Steelers. And you hear how Andy Reid's saying, 
the guy opposite Travis Kelsey is so important for this offense. And we, we saw games where Sammy would explode, but then he would be injured for three or four. Juju, who had injuries last year, has been able to stay healthy this year. But you go back to 2018, same deal. I mean, he was the second option to Antonio Brown, and that's why he was able to have the production that he had because there was another partner there. When you lost Antonio Brown and he went nuts and was no longer on the Steelers, you didn't see as much production from Juju. So I think sometimes we see moves made in the offseason, and it's almost like a plug-and-play thing, but they need time to develop and understand Andy Reid's system, which is, is, of course, very different from what, what the Pittsburgh Steelers run in a lot of ways. And I, I think you're hearing it there where it's finally clicking for him. And, you know, you're eight games in here with nine to go. He's already at 582 yards pending, you know, some kind of injury. And say he stays on this tre- upward trend, you're definitely hitting a thousand yards. And, right. and, who, and mm-hmm. who knows if MBS is able to do that? Who knows if uh, McCole Hardman can can sneak into that? And I mean, the Chiefs may have three 1,000 yard receivers, which would be a, a very impressive feat, even with the extra game. But I've just been impressed with more than anything, and, and this this is something where you'd have to watch the games. I know a lot of the guy the people that listen to us do. You can see that Mahomes is almost getting that Kelsey level trust with Juju, mm-hmm. and what yeah. what a what an advancement that would be for this offense, John. Well, I thought it was interesting how he talked about uh, the wide receiver opposite of Kelsey uh, in the mm-hmm. formation. Um, you know, almost as if he's another tight end. You know, right. we talk a lot about how much Andy Reid likes to run multiple tight end formations, but the fact of the matter is what he's looking for is someone who's sort of a, a more wide receiver than tight end, but not so much a wide receiver uh, in that position. Sammy Watkins fit that very well, and now Juju Smith-Schuster fits it very well. And it just goes to back to what I was saying just a minute ago. It's not just about whether uh, when a player comes to a team whether the he he's simpatico with the coaches and uh, so on and so forth, you also have to have the right opportunity there. You know, where do you fit in the scheme of the players that are there and how do you fit in there in such a way that you can be successful? And I think we're seeing that with Juju now. All right. We talked about three things that are on the, the positive side. The one elephant in the room is this horrendous Chiefs running game. I mean, it is, as mm-hmm. bad as anything right now. And and that's part of the reason why you saw Patrick Mahomes scrambling is because, you know, the Chiefs ended up just calling pass plays and to get anything on the ground, it was all Mahomes who led the Chiefs in rushing yesterday with 63 yards. Next up was Isaiah Pacheco, five carries for five yards. Not good. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, four carries for five yards. Not good. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, three carries for four yards. So the rest of the running backs, 14 yards and quick math tells me on 12 carries so not great uh Andy Reid was honest about that said you know we, we need to be better there here were his uh, exact words there well first of all those those two defensive tackles that might have been part of it the, those two guys uh are are pretty strong jokers we've been playing like the number one defenses here for the last few few weeks it seems like and you know they're they're giving us their best shot, and we can do a little bit better up front. We can do a little bit be more patient at the running back position. And as coaches, we can always dial up different things, you know, and and try to figure something out that might fit a little bit better. So we're, those are all the things that we, Aaron, that we kind of get in and we analyze and, and work with. But you know what didn't work there worked in the past game. So, so you know you get the win, and I I think it is. It is important to remind people when you pull up the other stats and the total stats and the Chiefs have 499 yards, there there does need to be a, a realization of, like, does it matter? I think that's a fair question to ask. I don't think against a team like the Titans it matters. I don't think a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up this week it, it matters. But I think when you're beginning to face these definite playoff teams or, you know, a division team in the weeks to come where, you know, maybe it is a little bit tougher matchup. Eventually the Rams will come here. I know they're not playing well, but the, the Rams will come here. And if it is a tighter game, you're going to need to be successful on the ground to, again, just get first downs and, and to grind out games like that. And sure, I think it's nice that the Chiefs have time to figure it out. And you could hear that there is a little bit of urgency, I think, in the in the coaching staff to figure this thing out. But it is a weakness right now for the Chiefs. If you're nitpicking, I think this is something that is a little bit concerning, John. Yeah, and I've been one of the people who's been saying the Chiefs need to run a little bit 
more often. They don't need to yeah. make it a focus of the team or anything like like the Titans do, for example. Right. Um, but I would like to see them make the running game more effective, have some more balance on offense. But maybe it's not going to happen. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not sure that it's about the players that they have. Um, you know, we made a big deal about getting Isaiah Pacheco out there thinking he'd be better than Clyde Edwards Alaire, but there really doesn't seem to be that much difference. It seems to be, you know, whoever the Chiefs are going to put in there as the main guy is going to be effective sometimes and a lot of times not effective. And I think that depends a lot on the team that they're playing and, you know, whether or not it matters is going to depend on the team that you're playing. If you're playing the Titans, uh, where, you know, maybe they don't have as strong a secondary as they do in other the areas seven. of the defense. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe it doesn't matter too much whether you have a run game. But if you're playing a team that's the other way around, maybe it matters a lot. So I think we have to learn how to adjust our expectations of what we think is going to work or not work in these situations, because I guarantee you the Chiefs are thinking about it that way. Um, as they go from yeah. game to game. And I also think as I was running through those stats and, and you know, I, I'm reading them, I, I, you have just, you know, you get to the end of the game and you, you read the passing attempts 68 and Pacheco had five attempts. I don't know how you get there, right? Cause every game is different, but what is the, what does his stat line look if you're able to give him 10 more attempts? Like what, would it be 15 carry? I, I, I just, I don't know if these guys are getting enough of a run to really feel like, okay, you know, they're getting into a rhythm and, and sometimes you'll, you know, you'll see these guys get in there and they're, they're saying they're running the hot hand, but it's like when you're running the hot hand and you give up that quickly and go to the next hand, is anyone in a rhythm at all? I just, I don't know. I'm yeah, still, I've, I've I, never I, bought that rhythm argument on running backs personally, but I'm that's still, just me, you know? So I'm still caught up on, on, I just, I know that they want to go running back by committee. I know that they want to go hot hand, but I just, I feel like you got to leave some of these guys in for just a little bit longer, just to like get them going. I, you know, I, I think some backs are like that. I don't know. That's just my argument on it. But I, I don't, well, I don't, well, I don't have the proper answer. I mean, the run blocking is bad right now. I, well, you know, it's on the offensive line, if anything. A lot of people believe that, Pete. You're not the only one who thinks that you got to get a running back out there for a certain number of, number of plays to establish maybe, a rhythm. And, maybe it's and all two. That. In, maybe it's two instead of three. I I know they hmm, do different things yeah. well, but like maybe you need to. And this is a hard decision, right? Because you drafted Clyde in the first round. If you want to go with Pacheco, maybe it's Pacheco and McKinnon on pass down. Like McKinnon is going to be one of the guys because he's the best pass protector. So you know when it's third and. X third and long and you need an extra pass protector. It's going to be McKinnon. So you're picking one of the other two guys. And that's a still a tough pill to swallow. It's like, you're, you're like, okay, we want to try to get Isaiah going. We've made him have the first touch. Like now let's bench Clyde or do the opposite. You know, if it hasn't worked with the check of these past few weeks, let, let Clyde be that guy and have McKinnon be the spell. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out. I think it's less about the running back and more like a, it, it seems like the entire operation is broken, you know, yeah. beginning with it. Cause the, if you really looked at, I agree the, with that. the broadcast and, and the end zone view, I mean, the whole, there's no hole. And, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. what Andy was saying with the two defensive tackles led by Jeffrey Simmons. It's, you know, they're, they're pretty good too. You know, they're, as they, as they say in the cliche, they're on scholarship as well. Um, <laughs> I think against these better teams, you're going to need a little bit more balance. And when we've seen the Chiefs really thrive, it's when they were a little bit closer to that. It's never going to be 50 50, but like a little bit closer to that right, 60 40, right. it feels like. Yeah. All right. I don't know how Andy Reid turned into pre marinated takeaways, but we uh, ended up there, I think, at the end <laughs> of the uh, segment. Speaking of marinated takeaways, we're going to go into the real marinated takeaways from this 20 to 17 overtime win over the Tennessee Titans. You're listening to the Arhead Pride Editors Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, I'm gonna let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt, react, readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Oh, yeah. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Beautiful production by the great Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta. You know what that music means. It's time for our world-famous marinated takeaways. The Chiefs coming away with a 20-17 to overtime win over those rival, I guess, kind of rival Tennessee Titans, maybe. <laughs> there, yeah. Somewhat of a rival, I guess, with all the chirping that went on this week. More, more on that in the, the third segment. But let's get into the marinated takeaways from this game, John. And as we always do with this segment, it's age before beauty, baby. So you get to go first. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's hear what you got. Well, one of the things that uh, one of the many things that struck me about this game uh, was that the Chiefs, they mentioned this in the broadcast last night, that the Chiefs were number one in third down conversion percentage uh, going into this game on offense. And the Titans were number one at preventing third downs on defense. So, you know, it's the classic um, uh, immovable object versus an irresistible force thing. And yet the Chiefs were 8 of 19 for 42% on third down in this game and 2 of 2 for 100% on fourth down. So, um, you know, I I think it goes back to, I think it was Matt Stagner who said in his prediction for the game that we've now established that it doesn't matter whether the Chiefs are playing a really good defense. They're still going to be able to gain yards and put points on the board. Uh, in this, in the case of this particular game, not as many as we might have expected, obviously, but um, the team is good enough on offense that they can succeed about just just about any kind of defense. That's one of the things that struck me about this game. Yeah, the Chiefs ended up with 29 first downs. The Titans had mm-hmm. nine first downs, and there were some defensive adjustments into the second half. We'll hear more from Steve Spagnuolo on Thursday if he could remember, you know, what he did in this game. A lot of times he's like. Oh, you guys got to understand. I'm very, very forward looking here. So I don't even know. Um, but I'm curious as to, you know, what specifically they they emphasized in, in the second half, because they only allowed 10 yards in the one first down. And that was a huge reason that the Chiefs had so many opportunities to, to keep going. Right. One of 11 mm-hmm. on third down for the Titans in this game. And so the defense was able to step up. I agree with you. I think. I think the Chiefs offense, especially the passing game, can win against anybody. And the, it doesn't matter if a team comes in with the top defense. We saw that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Right. Mm-hmm. They're allowing nine points a game. I know it was early in the season, but the Chiefs completely dominated that game. San Francisco 49ers, they're known for right. their defense. Mm-hmm. They, the Chiefs scored at will very, very quickly in the third and fourth quarters there. So uh, I'm with you. I, I think that's important to remember. My first marinated takeaway has to do with this kicking game that is suddenly a, a concern Uh-oh. of people. Here we go. And I am not... I am not as panicked as everybody. It's, I'll just, I'll just yeah. say that. I think I think Harrison Butker's in a little bit of a rut. I don't think it's necessarily the yips, but I am going to give you my panic scale number. So this is, of course, 10, 10 scale, the panic scale. I think it's a four. I think it's a four. I think if he has one or two good games, we're not really going to really talk about it anymore. And I think he has that in him. I think it's been a weird case. I also think it. I think the injury hurt him. I, I think it, he's been at a tough time coming back from the injury and getting into a rhythm that he might have had had the turf not been bad in Arizona. But I think four out of 10 is fair because I think we're right on the cusp of this becoming an issue. And it doesn't make sense that he seems to be more apt to hit the long field goal than the short one. And to me, that that's a, a mental thing. I think a very under-talked about part of 13 seconds is Harrison Butker hitting the field goal. Uh, he needed to hit that field goal. I mean, he could have missed that and the Bills could have advanced and 
know, the Bills might have been Super Bowl champions for all we know. We don't know if they would have ended up beating the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt, at least for a few more weeks. But it is something that is on the radar now. But I'm I'm not ready to make it a, a deal. But I feel like he needs to correct this quickly. I think that's about right on your your concern scale there. Yeah. I, I think if there's anything substantive going on, if it's not just a question of him, you know, being in some kind of a mental rut or something, it's that he maybe isn't a hundred percent yet. I mean, you have to consider that possibility right. that, you know, it's an ankle sprain on his plant leg. It's you know, kind of a big deal. To your... And I should, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a factual thing that you can hang your hat on. I think the chiefs have a little bit of concern too, because, Matthew Wright is still on the practice squad. Yeah, that's what I was just actually going to say. I mean, that, and then yeah. that's a that's a that's a good point. I and we've seen him out there, and the Chiefs are really good with their roster spots. I mean, we've seen them play with them a lot. I there's a reason he's still there. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. what what exactly that reason is. Like maybe yeah. it could be performance based. It could be a little bit concerned about his injury, but right. he's still in the building, and I. I'd imagine that if the Chiefs felt really good, whether it be about Butker's health or performance, they'd be using that roster spot on somebody else. Because right. again, they're just very, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a, a bias here. I guess every team across the league probably uses their roster spots in a, in a smart fashion. I just feel like the Chiefs are very shrewd sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You, you know, you understand why they're doing right, something. Right, right. But it, there is a, there is like that underlying question is what is what is he still doing here? You don't really need right, him anymore. Right. I imagine that at a certain point, someone else around the league is gonna is gonna poach him. So you, you you'd hope that the Chiefs figure it out, you know, sooner rather than later. I do wonder what the leash is. I mean, I I think it's long. I think it's long. I think mm-hmm. Butcher would be. have to would have to mess up for. Um, I'm gonna try to think <laughs> about I would say if there was problems for for another three weeks we would maybe start to hear, you know, it is right. Oh man. If we have problems for three weeks, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of screaming going on about it. Cause we've already got people screaming about it. So, but I, I agree you, with I'll you. I'll tell though. you in, in watching right and watching Butker, there's a, you hope that Butker figures it out because he definitely has more power. I mean, there's a certain sure. sound when Butker boots this ball. It's like, it's like a gunshot. Like Matt Wright just doesn't have <laughs> the distance. He, he just, you know, he. I mean, he. I know he was able to get the record or whatever. That felt like miraculous. I, I, I know whatever. I know there are more concerned Chiefs fans out there than, than I am. I think right now, but I would, I would tell you, I just, you should hope that Butker figures it out because I just think his distance is unmatched mm-hmm. to an extent. And he is the complete package. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, we we should know this. We should recognize this. And just accept it for what it is. This is the best guy the Chiefs have ever had. I mean, yeah. there's just not really, you know, it's not really up for argument. And I, he's, you know, not the top guy in the league, but he might as yeah. well be, you know. Yeah. Jan, so, uh, Jan Stenerud, you can you can email me, peter.g uh, at Sweeney at gmail.com. I'll forward your complaint to to John about uh, you calling <laughs> Butker the, the, the best that she's well, ever had. But I mean, in terms of percentage and stuff, no, and his know, time, Jan was the best, and I still believe that. But I know, we're I know. not in that time anymore. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. All right, let's go with uh, your next marinade takeaway. We, I think we spent four minutes to five minutes on kickers, so I think I think we're good to move on. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's probably plenty. Yeah. Um, I was just struck in this game by despite how wrong we were about how it was going to play out in terms of the score. I think as, as a staff, our predictions were for a 12-point point, point spread, um, and it turned out to be three points and a lot fewer points. Uh, we didn't, you know, no, we didn't even come close to the over-under in this game. Um, but still, a lot of what we talked about turned out to be right on, that the key to stopping the Titans was going to be Derrick Henry. And uh, that if you could do that, you could control the game. Um, you know, of course, being able to succeed more more often on offense and get some points on the board when you're getting marching down the field would have been better right. too. But uh, there were a lot of things that we predicted about this game that turned to be out, turned out to be right on, uh, including the quality of the defensive line, uh, the necessity of stopping Henry, as I already mentioned, 
um, you know, the question marks about Tannehill and Willis. Uh, and when Tannehill was not out there, it was it was all Derrick Henry. I mean, it's mostly Derrick Henry even when Tannehill is playing, but it sets up the passing game, and the Titans just completely ignored the passing game. I mean, you know, just right yeah. almost right away. So a lot of what we said was right. We just thought there'd be more scoring than they than there was, and that isn't always the case. So I thought this that game, was interesting. This game was a good reminder that any team can be in any team in the NFL on any given day. Right. Mm-hmm. You had Willis versus Mahomes, and before the game, you're just assuming that the Chiefs are just going to easily do this because they can zone in on Henry, which you know they largely did a good job. It wasn't for those two chunk runs. Like, mm-hmm. It was right. a pretty nice job. Now, now those chunk runs are included, so you can't say that completely but it and I'll, I'll go a step further i mean i don't i know it was a division game but i don't think any of us thought the jets would be able to outlast the bills and suddenly the chiefs have the same record as the bills after this particular week but that's it man that that's why you know it's, this is a very hard thing to predict we spend all day on it and a lot of us were wrong about this particular game and kudos to the jets for for getting a done against buffalo and now you have the pressure that's shifting back to buffalo right so you have this next coming week where the chiefs take on the jacksonville jaguars and who knows you know you suddenly have the bills facing a seven and one vikings team who looks pretty good i understand the games in buffalo but could be waking up a a week from now on this editor show and a couple weeks later we thought the the afc was over the chiefs might be in the driver's seat again so we will see anything can happen in the nfl i think that's a important thing to remember my next marinated takeaway is that Patrick Mahomes being the whole offense is fun, like we saw last night, but it isn't sustainable if you want to win a championship. And mm. I look no further than than the Super Bowl against the Bucs in Super Bowl 55, um, where you know it, it really just came down to it felt like Patrick Mahomes was the only thing. Now this was these are two different circumstances, to be clear. They're they're not they're not perfect examples of each other, but I just think you know, at a certain point, Patrick Mahomes running around back there, it, it's fun, and it's good that it worked for this one game against this team that is clearly not as good as the Chiefs, but, and it goes back to my, like, running running game point and having a more complete offense. I just don't think that you can assume that he's going to be able to do that every single game, and so here you are. You're in, you're in week nine. We talked about how you have nine games left to kind of right this ship, and so there's plenty of time to figure it out, but I just... I think the guy is amazing. I think he needs the whole offense to contribute. And that goes from Kelsey and Smith Schuster and Hardman and MVS to, to some of these runners, just taking the pressure off of Mahomes and, and allowing these other guys to shine as well. will even make Mahomes more efficient. And, and so I don't know. I just think, I think it's a point to say where I, I think they need to figure this thing out where it's just a more complete offense. I, we kind of went into it last segment. I kind of stepped on my marinated takeaway, even though we, we changed the whole thing around. So we wouldn't do this again, <laughs> but I kind of explained what I was I'm meaning before, but I, I just think that's something I'm, I'm feeling like it was, it was definitely fun and it's amazing to see Mahomes take over a game at the end. I just, I don't know if you can win a championship that way when you're playing playoff teams and the Titans may be one of those, but when you get there, it's probably going to be Tannehill, right? So it'll be even a, a, a bigger challenge um, because I think this offense is built around Tannehill right now and not Willis. Uh, but I, I just I think this this offense needs to be more complete when you're playing the top seven teams in the AFC. Well, I think that's true of, you know, you've got to be pretty effective in all phases of your game to succeed in the playoffs, period. Yeah. You know, that's not exactly a new concept. I think you're making an excellent point with regard to the Chiefs. But it's not like this is something that we should just now be learning. You know, you you pretty have to you pretty much have to be able to play at least passably right. in all significant aspects of the game if you're going to succeed in the playoffs, because there will be somebody who will expose that weakness uh, when you're playing the best teams. Um, you know, as we we saw for so many years, <laughs> when the Chiefs would make the playoffs and get nowhere. Uh, it, it is so, funny to think. It is funny to think about that where where the chiefs are that team now, like you, especially mm-hmm. in the wild card round yeah. of the playoffs. Right. Yeah. I think about last year when it's, it's the chiefs and, and Juju was still on the Steelers at that point. Like if you're a Steelers fan, you're waking up and you're like, you know what? We can do this today. We have big Ben. We have Juju. Like, right. We can go an arrowhead <laughs> right. and win. And yeah. you're just like trying to convince yourself that it's possible. <laughs> like, that's you're the other team now, which is a lot mm-hmm. of fun, especially for all the years that you spent 
trying to convince yourself, convince yourself that you could win a playoff game. Well, and we used to say that about the Steelers when Alex Smith was the quarterback. Oh yeah, exactly. we can do this. You exactly. know, we can we can make this happen. Yeah, we're we're familiar and, with this. And then, this, this uh, yeah, and the this Steelers thing. came in and hit six field goals, which was really fun. Okay, <laughs> John, let's. Do you have one more? You said you were thinking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I I I always find it interesting that uh, people talk about uh, coaches being stubborn that they they get this idea in their head and they won't do anything else you know well as long as Andy Reid is the head coach of the Chiefs they're going to they're going to pass the ball more than they run the board the ball and to a certain extent that that's that's true right but i thought it was interesting yesterday that we saw another coach doing the same thing and that is Mike Vrabel mm-hmm. you know the Chiefs completely shut down the Titans uh rushing attack after those first three drives i mean the numbers were stupid i mean you know what did derrick henry get 27 yards after the the titans took the lead there in the second quarter something like that and did mike frabel say well we're just gonna have to have willis throw the ball no they kept running the ball so i make this point only to say that if you perceive stubbornness in a head coach, part of the reason why is that they are there because they know what they're doing. And if they're stubborn, it's because they've learned that, be, you know, doing it their way in the way they construct their teams works. And, you know, the other part of that is just because you see a problem with a team and you say something about it, that doesn't mean the head coach hears you (laughs) and knows that that you're displeased about it. That doesn't make him stubborn. If somebody is telling him something and he ignores that advice, yeah, he's stubborn, but he's not hearing that advice from you. You know, you're just posting on a fan blog or whatever, on Twitter or something. You're telling me that Andy Reid is not Andy Reid's not in the comments at arrowheadpride.com. I don't think so. I'm just saying he's not. Um, But I think that was an interesting perspective that, you know, this was a way that you can see this taking place on another team and the way that we look at it as Chiefs fans. I think Ed Werther of ESPN.com talked to Vrabel. I don't know if it was mid-game or whatever, but he he tweeted out, are you, you know, something to the extent of, do you feel like you have to somehow balance it out and, and pass the ball more? And Vrabel said something to the extent of who the hell are we going to throw it to? He's <laughs> very honest about well, like, sure. And that's part of it, of course. Their, yeah. their personnel and and, you know, when you don't have Tannehill, this is the way you have to win. And they they're embracing that in, in a way. And uh, and yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I that's what I you know, I, I, under, I understand that Andy Reid is, is always going to throw the ball more, more than they run the ball. But when you see the most efficient chiefs games over these past few years it's been when there is a a balance and i'm I'm sure that every team feels similarly to to that in in a lot of ways all right my final marinated takeaway here um and this was the the trent mcduffie return the first rounder this Mm, year that she's traded Mm -hmm. up for he ended up playing 49 snaps which was 96 percent of the defensive snaps i think that's a very very good sign the chiefs have wanted him to be that guy and i think it was important when you 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 hear that and i and we just talked about how the titans weren't really throwing the football so let's keep that in mind i believe it was 12 pass attempts but when you hear that and then you think about like how many times do we even notice mcduffie on sunday night football not a lot not a lot and this was double the snaps that he had in that arizona game i looked up the targets from pff he had two targets on the night uh, austin hooper and cody hollister no dice on on attacking mcduffie Willis didn't have a good night in general, so keep that in mind. I'm admitting that, but still, you play who you play, and McDuffie had a right. really nice return. Uh, by the way, in that, Legereus Sneed, as I was looking up this, he had five targets against him, one reception for two yards, and he had breakups against Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook-Akeen. And so, pretty good secondary right now for the Chiefs, and they avoided a, a, you know, it, what it looked like an, an, a possible injury to Jalen Watson. You had Joshua Williams uh, in there uh, mixing in as well. And I just, I feel pretty good about, you know, where the the chief secondary is at. And I, I think in saying all this, basically highlighting McDuffie's return, 
you see why they were they felt okay trading mm-hmm. Rashad Fenton for essentially nothing, shedding some of that salary cap uh, because they they feel good about the, their young guys. Now you do have to see this when it's a against a, a quarterback that has had more than the two starts to his to his name. Not to sure. say that Trevor Lawrence is necessarily a world beater, but at least he has some of the experience in the NFL to see if they can do this uh, again next week when they play the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I think a, a good sign in McDuffie's return that he was able to play as much as he did. And we didn't hear him, uh, his name called at all. So, right. And when they didn't target him, I mean, this also means that the yeah. opposing team, you know, who has access to the same tape that your staff does, hasn't looked at that tape and said, Oh yeah, well we can make something happen by throwing at this guy. So um, maybe that was part of why the Titans chose not to pass the ball when the running game <laughs> wasn't right. working. That could be part of the equation as well. All of these things can end up mattering, but I think that's an excellent point. And um, I'm very pleased with what the chiefs did in, in this off season. You know, people have complained for years that they didn't invest any resources in, in building the secondary that we kept getting by with these guys that were, you know, sixth round picks that we traded for and, you know, all, mm. all this stuff, you know, he never spends any, invests any resources in the secondary. Well, he has now. And, um, so if you've been unhappy about that, uh, you need to enjoy this part of the of the Chiefs history because now they've put some resources in there. And in a year or two, this ought to be an excellent secondary. I've enjoyed this part of history. I enjoyed the world famous marinated takeaways for this Chiefs win over the Tennessee Titans. When we come back, we will go through what was the week in news headlines. You're listening to the Airhead Pride Editors Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, we have talked about Andy Reid. We have gone through our world-famous marinated takeaways. It is now time to round up some headlines, go through some reminders, and close this bad boy as we get ready for the Chiefs and Jaguars. John, I know that you're excited about this. A noon start. Woo! <laughs> Next Sunday. How about yeah. that? The 6-2 yeah. Chiefs taking on Dougie P. The Silver Fox coming back into town with his Jacksonville Jaguars noon Arrowhead time. And I've talked to some of my friends that love to go to these games, too. Everyone always used to want the primetime game. Everyone always wanted the late Mm -hmm. start. Yeah. My friends are now jonesing for noon games, too. There's something (laughs) there's something nice about the noon game. I'm excited about it. We can get done at a decent hour. It'll be great. All right. Let's talk about uh, the headlines that we need to go over heading into what is week 10 already. Can you believe that? Double digits. All right. So first things first, Lucas Niang is now practicing. Mm-hmm. This is sooner than I thought he would be. That b- Because when he practices now, this opens up a 21-day window, which right. means mm-hmm. they believe his return to the active roster is imminent. Why does that matter? Because sometimes I, I think the tackle positions are under the microscope a little bit. When you talk about the Chiefs offensive line, the interior seems to be, for the most part, rock solid. You have Joe Tooney, you have Creed Humphrey. Trey Smith. Uh, Trey Smith had a little bit of a rough night, but that's atypical for him. Usually he's pretty solid. Right. But mm-hmm. So yeah. you look at Orlando Brown. They're not replacing Orlando Brown. I think there's a possibility Niang could step in for Wiley if they feel like that's a, a move. And so who knows if, if this ends up happening. I don't think Niang is going to be ready this week. I think this is a, like they did with McDuffie, mm-hmm. use the full 21-day window. Right. So Wednesday's practice will be... I guess what what would that be considered the second weeks day eight nine you know I think they used the full bevy you know of, of days here to get him ready and then we will see if Blake Bell returns this week last week Andy Reid said that he was close so mm-hmm. even some more reinforcements could be entering the fold here soon John yeah and I I think that's an excellent point that we always need to emphasize that they they won't open that window unless they're pretty confident that it's going to work within that time, because once yeah. the window closes, it slams shut. 
Niang right. has to sit out the rest of the season. So uh, you open it only with great care. And if they've done it, it's because they believe they can bring him back here in the next couple of weeks. So he would have to be activated ahead of week 12 then. So mm-hmm. that, the yeah. game to watch would be the Rams at home a couple of weeks. Blake Bell being back in the mix um, would be a good thing as well. And I, I think the Chiefs really love these tight ends. Andy Reid, we were really excited for a while about the four tight end sets, and we've not really gotten a chance because of injuries to to see that. Mm-hmm. Right. In the injury to Blake Bell, though, you you see uh, maybe a little glimpse into the future. Noah Gray with some some Kelsey like moves against the the Titans, and so I don't, you, you know sometimes you don't get that opportunity to see these players unless things happen. Like we wouldn't have never probably known about Jalen Watson. Maybe Rashad Fenton isn't traded if McDuffie stays healthy right we never really right. known if jo- say joshua williams uh without fenton fenton and mcduffie's injuries if, that he could play a little bit so uh we now know a little bit more about noah gray and the future seems to be a little bit bright as you you know get kelsey in his mid-30s here early to mid-30s and and you're seeing what jody fortson could be you know while he uh it was rehabbing now to, to get back on the field he's he's been dealing with a quad issue um, but Noah Gray had just a nice game against the Titans and a big, big time catch in a, in a big spot uh, late in the game. Next headline, uh, Jeffrey Simmons said that the Titans could dominate the Chiefs <laughs> O-line. And uh, I talked to Orlando Brown and, and Trey Smith in the, in the locker room. And, and these guys are are well seasoned. Kudos to the Chiefs public relations staff because they do not want to say anything back <laughs> uh, at all on this. Orlando Brown gave me a decent quote, just said, we, you know, the, they're heard and and. They're definitely heard because you saw you saw the jarring back and sure. forth yeah. um, on Sunday between Simmons and the, and the Chiefs and it was a little and chippy. Chris Jones pokes him after and says, "I don't know if he was joking, but he says Simmons told him about who which quarterback was starting." And then Simmons got to go on Twitter and said, "I didn't tell you anything." <laughs> uh, it seems a little <laughs> high school, but I think it's a, a motivating <laughs> factor to to Simmons' credit. This was different than Shaq Barrett because Shaq Barrett said what he said against the Bucks and the Chiefs O-line dominated. Mm-hmm. The Titans front, they I know they didn't win the game, but they've backed up the top right. they quite did. a bit. I mean, they yep. shut down the run game completely. It it really took a miraculous win when they're starting Malik Willis, uh some miraculous plays by Patrick Mahomes to for this to happen. And and they're an impressive front. That it's more so the front than any kind of anything on the offensive side, even with Derrick Henry, that makes me think they'll be back in the playoffs, even if it's a seven seed. I, I think the Titans are better than maybe we gave them credit for just thinking, okay, well, AJ Brown's on the Eagles. Now they're going to fall off. I just, especially if they can get Tannehill back, you know, for this stretch, I like Willis because, and I think he, he could be somebody, but they need Tannehill back to just shore up that offense. And if they're, they're able to just have a, a, a decent offense and feel like they can pass the football to complement Derrick Henry with that play action, they're going to be a tough out in the AFC. So uh, I'm not a, I'm not a big trash talk guy, but I think even in the loss, Simmons made a case where, you know, at times yeah. they were do- dominating the Chiefs O-line. So that's okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not... I think it's I think it's fair to say they backed him up uh, with their yeah. play and and yeah. kudos to them for that. But I'd just like to say that it's still not a good idea to do that uh, mm-hmm. against the Chiefs offensive line no. or anybody's offensive line. Why? No. Why open that door? To build motivation for an appointment, appointment. I don't know why you would do that, but sometimes it's, players do. So you, you could tell. I mean, we don't even, we don't even need the the fly on the wall thing, but you can tell that Andy Reid does not like this type of thing on his side, and yeah. these players are talked to if, if something is to come out. Somehow, for the most part, he was able to prevent Tyree Kill from getting into wars with words. Not not as much happening uh, of that. They they let him kind of say what he wants down in in Miami, which is why we've seen com- some of the comments about Jalen Ramsey and such out of Miami now. Anyway, uh, Jody Fortson was ruled out of the game uh, against the Titans. We'll see if he's back in the mix. The, the key here is to check the Wednesday injury report. We'll see if he's practicing in a, in a limited fashion. See if he can get back against the Jaguars. The Chiefs elevated Marcus Kent for the second straight week, and. Uh, they see him as one of the better special teamers on the team, John, but you're only allowed so many call-ups and the chiefs now have seven active wide receivers. So I don't know how much Marcus Kemp is going to be able to play. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, at this point, um, let's see that you can do it three times this year. Yeah. I always get the numbers confused sometimes. Yeah. yeah he's got one more call up. Uh, and we think we don't know this for a fact, 
But we think that if he uh, is activated the roster for a little while and then returned to the practice squad, that count may restart. We haven't actually seen that happen, but we think that's a possibility. So we may see him some more, but for all we know, he may just have one game elevation left in this season. So um, they better enjoy and use him in the right place, you know, when they, they think they really a, need him. A little bit of a tough break for Kemp because I you could you could tell when Dave Tope talks about Kemp just how much yeah. he values mm-hmm. him as you know gunner. Yeah. And, but it it is what it is. That's 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 the numbers game of the NFL. Uh Frank Clark began his two game suspension for those arrests stemming from last offseason. Anyway, he'll miss the next game as well. But the the key here is he returns to the facility today. I believe he'll I believe he'll be back in with the, the guys this week. Can't can't practice again, but he can attend meetings. You're allowed to return, just like we saw with Willie Gay for the right. second half of the suspension. And so only a two game suspension. So Frank Clark will be back in the building, won't play against the Jaguars, and then we'll be back to practice next Wednesday. So that's a good thing, I guess. The Chiefs, uh, and we talked about this earlier, so we don't need to get into it again. The Chiefs said they've been interested in Kadarius Tony since before he was drafted, which it explains why they were still interested when he was available at the trade deadline. Dave Tobe said the Chiefs would be mixing in more players at punt returner. I, for one, was pretty surprised to see Sky Moore back there still. And then we saw a bit of a trick punt mm-hmm. with Watson faking up, Justin Watson faking up and then jetting back to to get the punt. I, I don't I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing Dave talk about this because I'm not exactly sure why that would work, but. I thought it was better than sky catching it. I'm happy that what I'm telling you, well, what we're happy about, especially for your, the comments, John, right. Is that, is that Watson caught the ball, that the trick punt return <laughs> would not have been good. Had right. Watson muffed it, huh? That would not have been. Yeah. Good. Well, it's kind of unusual for Andy Reed to bring it up, to point out that that was a trick play. Of course, he yeah. was asked a question that kind of forced him to, but, um, but normally this is the kind of thing that Dave Tobe will reveal to us when the coordinators speak on Thursdays. So that was kind of different, but yes, that was definitely a different kind of play. And, you know, this is the kind of stuff that Tobe is always thinking about how, where's a way that I can get an advantage in some way in the special can, teams game. So I can already see Dave Tobe on Thursday, like smiling at us saying, you guys like that, huh? And then just <laughs> revealing the entire play and all the methodology behind it. He's the most straightforward <laughs> coach that the chiefs have. And we love it here. at Earth Yeah. Earth. Uh, other headlines from the week. Steve Spagnuolo visited Arrowhead East during the bye week. That, of course, is Big Charlie's. He went and and he was explaining that during the bye, he goes to Philly. And this is a big time bar, Chiefs bar in Philadelphia. He, mm-hmm. he went as far yeah. as to buy them a replica Lombardi when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And I, I think it's a cool little move. They seem to love him there. And, and how cool would it be if if you had a defensive coordinator of, of your chief stopping in your, your transplant oh, bar oh, man. in Philadelphia, you know, it's on Terry's bucket list to go to that place. She wants to, she wants to go to Philadelphia and see a chief's game at big Charlie's sometime. And I think Terry, that'd be fun. Terry, we did it. Course, in Denver the esteemed, one time. esteemed spouse of my esteemed deputy editor. John Dixon, yeah. For the, for those we did it in Denver one time. It was cool. That so was cool. Uh, I, yeah. And so I, and I think it'd be fun too course i'm you know usually working on game days so i might have to be in a in a bar in philadelphia with my laptop so if we if we have it in advance enough we can we could figure we could figure out a replacement we'll see yeah all right um some final news here minor news some practice squad moves john you i think you covered all these for us the chiefs released wide receiver daz newsom they signed safety ugo amadi and they re-signed a practice squad defensive end azur kamara he was with the team during the offseason work and is now mm-hmm. back in the mix. The Chiefs will keep an eye on these prospects that they're like. Sometimes it just becomes a numbers game. What ends up happening here is they tell the player, stay in shape. We may call you. And mm-hmm. it, to uh, Kamara's credit, it looks like he was remaining in shape and is now back with the club. So, Yeah, I, there, there's always some some back and forth on this stuff. Um, so whenever a guy is released, there's always a possibility he's going to come back. You just have to keep that in mind in, in my database for the roster. I don't actually take them off the database. I just mark them removed so I can mark them active again later. Love, love a man <laughs> when he, bra- he brags about his database in front of me. There's nothing better than that with, uh, with the database brag that, that ends up wrapping up our Arrowhead pride editor show for this week. 
Should be a good week of coverage here at AP. We're getting ready for the Chiefs and Jaguars coming up on Sunday at noon. We'll have all the shows of the Airhead Pride Podcast Network cooking this week out of structure. The Great British Chiefs show. You have Coast to Coast, Show and BK. So we'll have a full load of shows for you. We'll keep it up with the Arrowhead Drive. As a reminder, if you leave us a rating and review, we will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. So for Steve Serta, who is working the ones and twos in the back here, and for John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for once again joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Mm-hmm.